Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, where we discuss the people, technology, and finance behind the world's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. In this news brief, the smartphone as a political hammer. I discuss a new wrinkle in the Huawei saga with Daniel Gleason. He's the consumer technology analyst at Ovum. And to give you a little bit of background, um, last week, President Donald Trump issued an executive order that told the Commerce Department to ban anything posing an unacceptable risk to the U.S. and U.S. infrastructure, um, especially telecommunications infrastructure. That order didn't single in it, you know, anyone out. It didn't name any particular company, but everyone sort of knew he was talking about Huawei, one of the world's largest telecommunications equipment companies. And this comes right as China and the U.S. are in the middle of a, uh, a trade war. Um, each side is escalating tariffs and tough talk uh, and generally making it uh, more difficult for Chinese firms to do business in the U.S. and vice versa. But about those smartphones, um, as part of this continued escalation in this trade war, um, American companies are being told to cut their ties to Huawei. Now, this doesn't happen right away. Um, the New York Times reported that the Commerce Department posted an item in the Federal Register late Monday uh, May 20th, that said that it would grant a 90 days, uh, a 90 day reprieve for uh, transactions necessary to maintain and support um, cellular networks and handsets that had already been sold, uh, you know, previously to this executive order. So prior to the executive order, there's a little bit of a grace period there for uh, companies to. Uh, uh, support Huawei gear or phones that they've, uh, you know, sold to service providers and or consumers. Um, but that's only 90 days. So what we're really looking at is after this reprieve, what happens next? Now, Google is one of the companies that said it was going to limit the software and services it provides to Huawei. Now that's a big, big deal because Google apps and, uh, uh, and support, um, and software support um, help fuel the uh, open source Android ecosystem. And Huawei is one of the largest suppliers of Android phones in the world. Outside of China, as we're about to find out, things could get really ugly. So Google said this week it was going to limit the software services it provides to Huawei. Um, I guess the immediate question that comes to mind is, what's the potential fallout for Huawei, both inside of China and also looking at the rest of the world? Well, the, the big problem for Huawei is that this effectively means that it cannot sell any new handsets outside of China. Um, Huawei shipped about 207 million smartphones last year. Um, about half, just under half of those were sold outside of China. Um, it around so that makes up around 25 billion dollars worth of business for for Huawei. So that is all at risk immediately. Um, within China, however, it it doesn't actually make any big difference for for Huawei or at least the Google side of things. Um, because uh, Google services have long been blocked in China. So every Chinese handset manufacturer 
already has their own Google-free version of Android and that they've been using for many years. Uh, it will create some complications on the supply chain side uh, where there is any reliance on semiconductors or any sort of silicon that's coming out of the US, um, which there will be some, but not a huge amount. But that should be, there should be ways around that. Uh, but the mm. not having access to Google services is going to be the big deal as far as um, impacting Huawei's international business is concerned. Yeah, it immediately makes those uh, Android phones a lot less attractive outside of China, for sure. Oh, definitely. And effectively, it's it will be impossible to sell them. Um, uh, like Huawei, as I said, does have uh, a, not a Google-free version of Android that it uses in China, which it could theoretically uh, start installing on phones that it's, it's going to sell internationally. But realistically, that's not an option. Uh, for starters, there's no language support um, right. uh, available for that. So that would need to be built and that will take time. Um, but secondly, that app store would be lacking with many of the uh, apps or services that uh, consumers outside of China would be familiar with or, or would rely on a huge amount. Um, and again, even getting all of those onto the platform, these are all things that would just take time, to take a lot of hassle, you yeah. know, which is some of those things that, you know, the consu consumer market moves on very, very quickly. You know, if, if Huawei isn't in, in, in on the shelves tomorrow morning, you know, most, you know, the vast majority of consumers won't care. They'll just move on to the next brand. Um, so it's even if Huawei is able to jury rig some sort of solution, um, there is no guarantee. It is no guarantee that it's going to be able to reclaim its spot in the marketplace very, very quickly. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a a, a massive um, setback for them, uh, uh, and and it's interesting too because it you know it came from uh, from Google, which is the sort of the uh, steward of a an open source operating system. So it it it's it shows that even though the operating system is open source, and you know there's this community of developers around it, um, you really do need that support, those apps, that ecosystem to make a phone viable. And that's what, uh, and that's why, you know, Apple and, and Google have really held, held their own in the market. Yeah. Well, it, it's one of these weird things where Android has become less and less open source, uh, in many ways as it has evolved. Um, Google services, um, have become much more intertwined. If you think about how important Google assistant is now into, um, how Android works um, on, on, a, on a just a daily in, uh, basis. It's uh -huh. it's very very difficult to unwind um, Google from Android for for the vast majority of consumers. It's just you know they are effectively the same thing, um, and that that's as I say. So even if you know Huawei was able to, as I said, to to manage to bring its own non Google version of Android it would be very, very different to what consumers are used to experiencing uh, on on Android in, in outside of China. So as I said, like it's, you know, that's no, by no means it would be a success or by no means it would be, have any degree of success at all. Yeah. Hey, does Huawei actually pose a security risk insofar as um, if you're using a Huawei phone and you're in the US and you've got one of the unlocked phones or 
you're uh, in Europe and you're, you know, you really love uh, what they've done with Leica and the incredible cameras that those phones have, are, are you suddenly at risk of being spied on by the Chinese government? Is, is that, is that the implication uh, there that, has, that all of this? Is this the weird thing? There has never been any indication or any complaints from anybody, the U S government or any government that um, Huawei or any Chinese other handset manufacturers um, that their smartphones are sending back information or sending back data. Um, any of the concerns that have been had have been all related to the network uh, and Huawei's networking equipment and data being sent back from the core of the network. Um, and that's what you know. Uh, all of these issues between the Chinese government and the US government and Huawei have been related to has been you know Huawei's place in the rollout of five G networks globally. Um, and in many ways, this is what I, I view the, I'm not going to say the attack, but the um, the ban on Huawei's devices as sort of a collateral damage in that broader dispute. Um, yeah. Where the US government has not been, you know, Huawei doesn't have a, a presence in the US effectively. You know, it doesn't really sell that many handsets. It is completely already not in any networking business. And the U.S. has mm-hmm. instead been leaning on its allies over the past you know, few months to try to prevent uh, Huawei from uh, getting any sort of important place in, five, in the rollout of the new 5G networks. But that hasn't been particularly well received in Europe. And you still have Huawei um, being mm-hmm. getting spots on, on, in European networks in Germany, in the U.K., in various other European countries. Um, and so it does seem like the U.S. has gone okay we're turning to instead, you know, using a lever to push down on this other part of Huawei's business instead um, to, yeah. to, to put pressure on, on Huawei and to put pressure on the Chinese government. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting, uh, it, you know, it's all political in, in nature, but um, so, so as this sort of escalates, I mean, this does not only erode Huawei or could not only erode Huawei's market share in, in the world, but what about, um, European service providers, internet companies, and and U.S. service providers and internet companies too. Um, you know, f- for a while a- after the advent of the smartphone, everybody wanted to reach the quote unquote next billion users. You know, and reach uh, and, and sell services that would take off in China and places like that. D- does this sort of lock out the Chinese market from? Uh, well, certainly it has already for Google Apps, but for other. Uh, uh, businesses that uh, would use the smartphone or the Android phones as a potential entry point into uh, into the Chinese market. Yeah. Well, the Chinese market has is essentially is is its own separate entity to the rest of the world. Um, uh, there's a lot of different rules around investment within China that requires a local entity to own a certain percentage of the business and to, for there to be a certain percentage of IP to be locally owned. Uh, which is basically that's been the, the stumbling block that would have required a lot of Western companies to sign over IP to China uh, eff- effectively uh, to be able right. to to work in China. So that's kind of been why you have, um, you know, as, as our, our colleagues, my, my colleagues on the entertainment team will say that in, you know, in the Western world, we, we, we talk about fangs, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix and Google. But within China, you know, they have a different acronym. It's BATS. Is it? I'm trying to remember. It's um, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent. Yeah, BAT. 
Um, oh, okay. So they have yeah. a completely different e-commerce ecosystem. They have a completely different handset ecosystem. It's it's very very different in in in, in every way. So this idea that you know U.S. companies or international companies will get suddenly get cut off from China, that doesn't really apply because a lot many of those don't really sell into China to begin with. companies. There is, however, for if you're talking about service providers, there is a very real concern about the effect this is going to have on 5G launches. Um, Huawei right. have obviously are not only uh, very involved in the infrastructure side of 5G, but they're also a key smartphone vendor uh, for 5G handsets. Um, the Mate X, uh, which you may have seen, the foldable handset from Huawei, it's one of the first yeah. 5G devices, and they only last week launched their first uh, like non-foldable regular smartphone, uh, regular 5G smartphone, the Mate 20X. Um, and so as a result, you know, you have this company which would have been you know a fairly significant partner for many many operators around the world when it comes to launching 5g and now it's no longer there and there's a big hole in their in their um launch plans as mm. a result so that's that's to me is more kind of the interesting part is in terms of like where do operators look now instead to fill that gap you know do you look towards you know um lg uh, or Samsung, in which yeah. case you're talking about very high price devices. You know, that that was always the big benefit of using Chinese brands is they can come in quite cheap. But of course, the interesting right. point is that because the concern, as I said, was with Huawei's network business, um, other Chinese handset manufacturers have been, you know, not even talked about when we're talking about the, these issues with Huawei. So the likes of Xiaomi or OnePlus or Oppo, um, have been unaffected, and in many ways, they they actually stand to gain the most. I would say out of this these issues that Huawei are having, because they are able to fill that niche that Huawei filled that Huawei was filling in in the handset market, you know, almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it, particularly if you're talking about OnePlus and Xiaomi, they they're able to come in at probably even cheaper prices than Huawei was was doing, and so you know you know, Oppo or sorry, OnePlus are a key uh, 5G launch partner with EE in the UK. Um, Oppo mm. launched their first 5G device um, a few weeks ago as well. So they are companies that are really on the up and up. They're growing very, very rapidly. They're going to be very, Xiaomi, of course, went public last year, has a lot of cash in the bank uh, to be able to push out internationally. Um, so I, I would expect that would be kind of the big change that we see over the next couple of months will be Xiaomi, will be OnePlus, and Oppo, all these other Chinese brands that many people may not have heard of before will suddenly explode onto the scene in Western Europe to replace Xiaomi or to replace Huawei. Thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Our show notes are all available at lightreading.com. As a reminder, you can get the Light Reading Podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and dozens of other platforms and apps. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com. Light Reading.